Hello and welcome to this episode of the I Am A Champion show. But before we get started, I'd like to mention that in the comments, there is a link for a free five-day lesson on power of a positive attitude. Please click the link below to have access to that so you can train your uh, middle school and high school kids how to have a power of a positive attitude so they can be even better in sports, in life, at home, and in public. Now, let's get into episode 26 of the I Am A Champion show. Well, good morning, fellas, and welcome to this episode of the I Am A Champion show. Jonathan, Jim, how are we doing today? Doing good, man. It's been, you know, some challenging weeks at work, but, you know, hey, every day above ground is a good day. And I get to see you guys on Friday, so that's like the highlight of my week. You're part of my social life now, you know. Got my, got that's my a Friday, right? There we go. Yeah, I'm going to see my boys on Friday. Let's go. <laughs> you know? Is it okay for me to say anything right now, or should I? Yeah. I mean, yeah. I, I – no, I don't hey, want to get Jimmy, Jimmy today. So, hey, it's, it's a great Jimmy. day. I'm excited to be here with the both of you. Pumped up to learn how to be more of I am a champion <laughs> right today. Yeah, well, and it's going to be fun today because we have a former uh, college player, uh, football player, Taz Deshaun, who talks about transitions in life after sports. And we have a Division One coach, uh, Coach McRoberts from Missouri State Volleyball, talking about transition coaches have as well. So we're going to have a coach and a player aspect today because we all go through transitions in life, but I, I don't think, you know, college coaches probably go through them more than anybody. Yep. And that might be one of the toughest transitions is going from being an athlete to being a normal civilian. Right. So I think this is going to be really cool talking about them, about how we thrive through these transitions in life and some of the wisdom and insight they get from us. So we're going to invite uh, Taj and coach McRoberts on right now. Oh, good morning, fellas. Uh, how are we doing today? Good morning. Doing great. Great to be here with you guys. Thanks for having me, gentlemen. Yeah. Well, glad you're having me here. Um, so, Taj, we'll go ahead and start with you, man. You know, you 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 uh, have really gotten an expert into how we thrive after sports with athletes. You know, if you could tell us, like, number one, how did you, like, what was your own personal story pain point that made you want to go after that? And then number two, what do you think are some initial steps that athletes can take maybe while they're playing to help ease that transition process when they know that their playing days are about to come to an end? Yeah. I always, I always tell athletes, you want to be able to identify something that you can be just as excited about in your life after sports as you were when you were pursuing it. I know nothing's ever going to replace the experience that we had when we were all playing, but you can find something that in a different way lights you up just the same. So for me, my experience was came home from college, didn't make it to the NFL, was completely lost. I didn't know who I was outside of a football jersey. I didn't even know how to put a resume together or what I wanted to do with my life. So immediately just went into a depression, just a lot of drinking at the time. And um, after I, I always tell people I had to make a decision. I could either keep feeling sorry for myself and just wallowing in self-pity or I could apply my athletic mindset to everyday life. And once I realized, okay, I'm no longer competing in football, but now I have the opportunity to compete in the game of life, which that, that game goes on, you know, to the day I'm six feet deep. And so at that point, um, started to pick the pieces up and, and really start to build a career for myself. Started out in recruiting, found a niche, really just loving helping people. And um, I started mentoring guys who were graduating after me. And that led me to identifying a need. This was 2017. Things have gotten a lot better now, obviously, in terms of athlete mental health and athlete transition. But at the time, um, I felt like I had acquired the skills and had gone through that journey personally of transitioning where I could step up and be someone to support athletes in transition. So 
Uh, it's been a, a fun journey, been able to help a lot of people and started doing things like podcasting and writing books that I never even saw for myself. But um, at the end of the day, I still just love doing the one-on-one -on -one coaching. So that's a little bit about me. Hey, Taj, I, I do have a question on that. So you, know, you think about a lot of athletes, they don't figure out something they're passionate about until it's over. And then they struggle, like you said, going down to where now they're drinking or um, with addictions or there's, there's life's going in a, a negative direction. So my question for you is this is I, I suggest that, that you're talking about athletes. You kind of figure out maybe things are passionate about why they're playing and maybe do different things. And then as Coach McRoberts is on here and he's in college, working with college athletes, what would you love to see coaches doing more at the college level like you wish your coaches did for you when you were a college athlete to help you find maybe that passion and find out what you're going to do after sport of football is done for you? You know, that's a great question. And I realized over the years as I've grown up, I had to take some accountability for how I could have better prepared myself. Because when I graduated, the reason I say that is I was bitter. I was blaming the university, blaming the coaches. But at the end of the day, they did their part. They gave me a scholarship and gave me a free education and, you know, allowed me to play some football. So really, that's their job. You know, that's the coach's job to focus on winning games. So I think um, one thing that could be done better is probably bringing back more players who are successful um, just to have them speak to the team. I think universities in general, not just coaching staffs, but universities have gotten better over the years and not just, <clears throat> excuse me, not just bringing in people who are checking the box. Um, no offense to anyone, but people will come in and do, you know, financial literacy workshops and things like that. That's great. But I really think what needs to happen is digging beneath the surface. Um, and another thing I always say is that it, it really doesn't get real until it gets real. So, We've all played, you know, you can conceptualize, hey, I might want to do this. I might want to do that. But until you hang up the jersey for the last time and you get out there and start to try things, you're not really going to know if the path you think you want to go on is right until you get in the midst of it. So it takes a lot of self-discovery and um, really just trying to figure out. I always say you have to cultivate the clarity and figure out what it is that you want. What, what's what's going to allow you to operate in a way where you can be the best version of yourself, but at the same time have an impact on others. So I don't know if that answers your question, Jim, but. Yeah. And, uh, Coach, probably Coach did. What about you, Coach? What about you, Coach McGarvey? I, th I think Taj made some some really good points there. Um, some things that I've seen over the last five to ten years that I think that have really helped our, our student athletes um, where I've been is do internships in the summer. And that way, not only are they getting out and, and kind of being in the real world, as, as Taj would, would say, but they can kind of figure out, is this, is this kind of what I want to do? And they're making uh, some connections there. Uh, and it's also a resume builder. I think where some athletes and uh, just even the general population of college is missed out is they go through four or five years of college and then they get out and they're the first thing that they apply for says they need experience. <laughs> And they're like, well, how do I get experience if I'm in college? Well, being able to put down that you've done some summer internships automatically gets you on their list. And they might be willing to consider that. Again, whoever's uh, what their talent pool is for whoever's uh, applying for those jobs, but uh, helps them a lot. And um, I think student athletes and it's a human thing are, are so focused on uh, and again this is this is general population but so focused on a paycheck when they get yeah. out that they're looking at what am i going to make every month versus what am i passionate about doing 
and I would have never gotten into college coaching, especially volleyball uh, in college. Or I started at the high school level if I was worried about a paycheck. I get to wear sweats every day. I get to work with athletes. I get to, you know, uh, at the college level can control some of my time, which is important um, because I have a family. And so I get to wake up every day and, and really enjoy what I do. Uh, and, and there's months where it's tough to try to figure out, uh, you know, that, that money part of it with a family of five. But you know what? I wouldn't trade it anything. I, I remember when I first graduated college, I had a, a friend who was an accountant and he called me one day. He goes, man, I screwed up. I should. I wish I was doing it. And I said, well, I wish I had your paycheck. But, you know, um, yeah, I think it's about finding what what you're called to do and uh, being able to wake up every day. And that that helps with a lot of the mental things that we're talking about as well. If you can wake up uh, ready to work and not really consider it work, that helps immensely. Well, I would add on to both of what you guys are saying. I honestly, I honestly have a different perspective. I, I mean, Taj, I've been through what you've been through. I've never been a coach in D1 like you, as you coach Robert Roberts, but I've been around coaches like that. And I think that there needs to be a village mentality. Um, my, my daughter's a D1 athlete, and what we did before she got went to school, she was doing internships at companies I worked at, doing social media, doing internships with other companies, so, and doing projects on the side. And now she's doing work for the school itself, helping with their marketing and their apparel and their NIL stuff. So she's getting experience both. By the time she graduates, you're going to have four or five years of actual practical hands-on experience along with your degree. And I think that's from a parent perspective and that's talking to coaches and working out with the coaches at high school to get, Hey, she needs this time to do this internship so that and she'll be in summer training, but she needs this time to do this internship because look, it's for her future. And then to Taj's level, I think that former athletes that go to schools, like we have some, I went to San Jose state. We have a thing called beyond Sparta, which we do like every month. We come back and talk to them about careers where they're at. We're in Silicon Valley. You have no excuse for not getting an internship out here. There's every company in the world's out here or has an office here or works with somebody here. And we keep trying to teach the young players, like, you got to take control of your future, dude, because that I know you see yourself already playing an NFL, driving a car and playing it out, but oh, you're, you're an inch away from or stepping off a curb or being in a car accident or getting sick away from that dream going away. You better be prepared for something. So what I would like to see from both of you here is, let's say it goes all wrong, completely wrong. What are the top three things you think a person should look at from a player point of view going to college or when you're bringing a recruit in to make them understand three things you say or close to it, that if something went totally wrong, what would you advise them to kind of start doing? I'll start with you, Taj. You're saying if a player comes in and it goes totally wrong in terms of they're just not able to compete anymore. Yeah. I'd say number one, uh, like I never want to come to someone and just say, Hey, so your career's over. What are you thinking about doing now? You know, it's, <laughs> we all know it's way too soon for that conversation. There has to be a level of uh, not only healing that takes place from the fact that you have to come to a place of acceptance, um, but also just celebrating the fact that you made it to that level. Right. Before I even start talking about career paths or anything with anyone, I'm, I'm having them celebrate the fact that they made it to an elite level and also just, um, you know, come to a place where they can get excited about the rest of your life. Right. So I say most, most people wrap up their careers in the early twenties, you know, mid twenties, late twenties, maximum, if you play professionally, but you have another 60, 70, 80 years on the planet. And when you start looking at it like that, it becomes exciting because your whole future is ahead of you. So, I mean, the three things I would say, 
just to sum it up is number one, celebrate where you've been, be proud of your accomplishments. Also going into the second step is look at how you can use everything you learn from your sport. You know, I know you guys talk a lot about transferable skills on here. Um, and you look at how you can use that moving forward. And then number three would be just craft the vision for your future so that you can reverse engineer it and don't think small. A lot of people, um, I forget, I think Jason, I think you said this earlier. It's where you look at, Oh no, sorry. That was coach McRoberts who said that where you look at the experience, like athletes are coming out and you're looking at, man, I need this much experience, but I don't have any experience. Who cares? Don't look at where you're at. Look at where you want to go, right? Look from where you're at and reverse engineer it and you'll get there. So those are the three steps I would share. What about you, Coach McRoberts? The first thing that came to mind was one thing that we talked when we're going through the recruiting process is that pick a university where you would go and you could see yourself whether or not volleyball was involved at all. And so that way, if it does go south, as you're saying, you're in a spot that you would be okay being in, whether you had volleyball or not, you know, whether that's an injury or now we are seeing so much with uh, this transfer portal and it's crazy. I'm sure y'all have talked about that before on this. I mean, that's, it's nuts what's going on. And, and we see on, on the big sport, like ESPN and stuff, we see it at, at the level of football and basketball, but it's going on in, in all sports. So that would be pick a school that, that you can see yourself, pick a school that, you know, for education and it's going to have what you're going to be passionate about. Like we talked about some, some no, some don't, uh, but put yourself in a situation where you're going to feel like this university is going to provide that for me. And a couple of other things that I kind of thought about that from a, from a core value standpoint for us, um, is serving others and being grateful. I mean, when we can kind of step out of ourselves and not be selfish about everything in life and and really see um, how blessed we are with what we've been given. And and most of the players that make it to this level have been blessed in in a lot of ways to make it to, to get here is to focus on that, focus on on the good. You know, uh, Coach McRoberts, you've you've had a lot of transitions in your coaching career from, you know, just taking different jobs. And you have a family as well. You know, can you, uh, as a lot of a lot of Division One coaches and college coaches in general, there's a lot of transition. Can you share with us a couple, like maybe two to three tips on, you know, great ways to, you know, prepare for a transition, prepare your family? And, and you know, it's always it's always messy whenever you transition to something new. There's, a, you know, you don't know anybody or you're moving again. So, what are some things that you've done that you felt like made the transition easier, even if you're still in the same profession, but you're in a different area? Can you, can you uh, enlighten us on that a little bit? Sure. And I'll tell you where I've screwed up and that's not being focused enough on my family in the transition. The, the easiest person, uh, and I may be overstating this, but I, in my uh, transitions out of my family, of course, the easiest person to make a just transition was me. I mean, I get plugged into a new school, I automatically around people, you know, around people, like whether it's a staff, I can bring somebody with me that I already know, like I did here at Missouri State. I have players, I have um, a support system with administration and other coaches and a school. Well, my wife goes um, into a new house, into a neighborhood where she knows nobody my kids don't know anybody we don't have a church home we don't 
you know, and then this actually happened when we got here at Missouri State. We had been here a month and everything shut down. Mm. We knew nobody. And so um, the blessing and the curse in that is that I was able to spend three months with my family in a house and I got reacquainted with my kids. And I, it's sad to say that, uh, but um, I was at Ole Miss before I came here and that SEC life is draining. I mean, it's it's day in, day out, no matter what sport you're in, you feel like you are just engulfed in it. And I lost myself. I lost my uh, who I was as a father and as a husband. And it hit me in the face. Um, I'd say it's a lot easier to plan for a transition without being fired uh, when you're actually choosing the next place that you go. But when you get called in to the office, like I did at Ole Miss, and they say, hey, we're going a different direction, it, it rocks your whole world. And had kids that loved um, where we were at, my wife, and, and we were ingrained in that community. And for the rug to just be pulled out from under our feet and having to figure it all out on the fly is tough. And um, like I said, I felt like I was really blessed that when I got here that everything shut down and was able to start with a foundation of family first. And when I interviewed with Missouri State and they were going through um, you know, the benefits and here's where we're at as a program stuff. I just, I even stopped them during the interview and said, I don't really need to know about the job. I need to know if this is going to be a good place for me to move my family. That's why I need to know about Springfield. I need to know if it's going to be a safe place for them because I'm not at this point going anywhere. That's not good for my family, no matter how good the job is. And so this ended up being a great landing spot for us. Hey, coach, when you mentioned that being at Ole Miss and you're a coach and, you know, they talk about in coaching, you're, you're in it long enough, you're probably going to get fired at times. Mm -hmm. And when somebody tells you you're not good enough or you got to go somewhere else or whatever, that can be hard to hear. And we sure. talk about confidence in sports is so key, not only as athletes, but as coaches, because I talk to coach sometimes, they stop believing maybe in themselves. Can you talk about that when hearing that word like, we don't have a spot for you anymore or we got to go in a different direction. How you dealt with that and still believed in yourself moving forward and find the opportunity at Missouri state. Yeah, it's humbling for sure. And, and um, again, in 25 plus years doing this and winning over 70% and actually going in and taking a job where they were basically dead last in the conference and getting them to the middle of the pack, you know, three out of my six years, we finished seventh, you know, and um, if you look at some other SEC sports, if you finish seventh, you're in the tournament. And volleyball was a little bit tougher to do that. Um, we had two years earlier won um, a tournament that's basically like the NIT of uh, volleyball and um, felt like we were kind of riding a little bit of a high at, at that point. And um, I had never – it, up until that point, ever even felt like it was a threat to walk into an administrator's office and them tell me that I'm I'm not good enough, as you said, like we didn't do enough. Um, I had mixed emotions. Part of me wanted to start fighting right then as far as like telling them what we had done and how we had done it. And we had done things the right way and we were building and we had just signed a top 30 recruiting class about two weeks earlier, first time we had ever done that there. And I didn't get a chance to coach them. 
And, but there's also a stubborn part of me that as soon as somebody were to say, look, we don't want to work with you anymore. Well, I don't want to work with you anymore either. Like, I don't want to try to fight for a job when I know my boss doesn't want me. Why do, why do I want to be here if you don't want me here? Um, and that's a lot easier for me to say than to walk in and tell my wife that who, who wants to be there and my kids that want to stay there. Um, but yeah, it was, it was really humbling. And I was thankful to come in and have a group here that really accepted me um, and did a, a lot for my confidence as a coach to kind of build me up. And I think that's what you have to do. You, you need to surround yourself where you're building them up and they're building you up. Again, I think it's about pouring into others to get your own cup filled. You can't be so selfish to be thinking it's all about you. And especially in the head coaching position, there's so many moving parts and uh, it'd be so easy um, to make it about me. And I was disappointed for my staff. I was disappointed for my players um, in, in that regard, but and, and my family. But it was at, at that point just time time to move on. And uh, again, thankful that that I found a spot that worked. So I'm going to tag on to that. Now I'm going to talk to you, Taj, you're from the athlete point of view. And I've been in your shoes, brother. I know what it feels like to know when it's over and like know when it's really over. And that first year was, oof, it was tough. I heard you about the drinking and uh, eating right and doing stuff. I did the same thing. I mean, I went, I just went, I'm tired of being in shape, tired of working at this. And I was like ordering, you know, round table supreme pizzas and stuff, eating ice cream. I was like, it was awful. But, you know, you come to your senses, you have kids and things like that. But that first time when you realized, when did you realize, like, I got to move forward. I got to let this go and step up my game. Like, when did that hit you? So I always go back to, you know, I moved back home and don't get me wrong. I'm grateful that I even had parents who allowed me to move back home after college, because I know a lot of people don't even have that luxury. It's like, Hey, you're out the house. You got to get to work. They were like, come back home, just figure it out while you get on your feet. But the moment for me was um, I'm back home and, you know, I was drinking, like I had a lot of my boys who were back home who all played D one. So we were all back home in our hometown lost, no idea what to do, all struggling. So we were drinking like Thursday through Sunday, just out. And the moment for me was, you know, you know, as an athlete, we're used to just getting up early, doing what we need to do, handling business. But I was waking up hungover, you know, 11 a.m., noon. And I woke up one morning in my childhood bedroom. Uh, and I'm looking at my my little Pop Warner trophies. And I'm like, man, I grew up in this bedroom. And here I am, a 20, you know, 23 going on 24-year-old man uh, with no money, nothing like nothing going for myself and just drinking every day. And I, I had a long talk with myself in the mirror, like, you can't do this anymore. Like you can't be out drinking. You got to figure something out. Otherwise you're going to be stuck here. You're going to be 25, 26 before you know it, still living back home in your childhood bedroom. So I, I just went to the mirror that day, um, splashing cold water on my face. And I told myself I was going to stop drinking. And I did. And I actually went out that day and went for a run. Now, mind you, you know, I woke up at noon, so it's not anything spectacular. It's not, but <laughs> I woke up Baby at noon. Maybe. Yeah. Step. Baby steps. And I was I was terribly out of shape. Um, But even the fact that I went for a run and I was out of shape, I was like, man, because it's not just about my physical health. It was about the mental health, too. And I was like, I'm never going to feel this way again. The way I feel right now, I'm never going to allow myself to to steep to this low. And um, sure enough, I, I never went back. So that was the turning point for me to, like, start getting my life together. Yeah. And Jason, I know you want to jump in, but just add to your story. Dude, it's like I went through the same thing. 
You know, I was drinking, eating, acting stupid, was taking care of it. And then one day I woke up and looked in the mirror and I had a full beard, hadn't taken care of my hair really, house was a mess. And I woke up and I said, I don't know, what am I doing? Went and shaved, got my hair cut, cleaned up the house, went down, went right to the gym and got a new membership and started working out. Just like the same thing, Zach happened. To this day, Jimmy teases me, but to this day, that's why my beard and mustache is always tight. My hair is always <laughs> It reminds me, uh-uh, I'm not going back to that moment ever again. It's, that's my little like thing. But go ahead, Jason. <laughs> well, yeah, and, you know, Taj, a lot of people say, hey, man, I'm not going to drink anymore. I'm not going to do this yeah. anymore. But then they fall back into old habits. Maybe it's the people that they're hanging around or maybe it's, you know, they're in their environment or whatever. Like, what was it for you that you did specifically that helped you not go back to that? Because, again, a lot of people say that, but they don't always follow through with what they say. How are you able to follow through with what you said of, like, this stops here? I'm, I'm making a pivot, I'm a U-turn, whatever it is, I'm, and I'm thriving forward. What was that for you? Yeah, well, I have this thing that I say, which is um, like running from the nightmare and running towards a dream. And the nightmare was being, like I said, 25, 26, 27. You know, God knows how old I would have been if I didn't get it together, still living at home. Um, to me, that just didn't sit right with me because I knew I was capable of more. And the dream, as I started to craft that for myself, you know, it started small. Of course, it was just at that point, just get out the house, get my own spot, have my own income, be able to stand on my own two feet as a young man. Um, But then the goal, the goalpost continues to move over time. Right. So, like I said, it moves into, okay, now I'm at the house. Now I got a job, but I'm not fulfilled. I feel like I could be making a greater impact. That leads to me starting Thrive After Sports in 2017, going into 2018. And then it becomes, OK, well, I have a vision for where this can go and how many athletes I can impact. So in order to stay accountable, I have to remember that. Um, and once again, I, forgive me, I'm just enjoying listening to you guys talk. So I forgot who bring this up. But but somebody mentioned um, it's not all about you. I think that was Coach McRoberts. Like mm-hmm. that was the thing that kept me accountable, too. Like now I'm at a point where people are looking at me or listening to my podcast or reading my books or I'm you know going to schools and speaking or coaching X amount of former athletes. And I have a a responsibility at that point to not allow myself to fall by the wayside because there are people who are looking at me. And also, I'm not able to show up as my best self if I'm doing things that are going to ultimately sabotage, you know, who I am. So to this day, you know, I might have a drink every now and then on a special occasion, but I I really try not to touch any of that stuff. I'm just trying to, you know, operate at the highest frequency. And and Taj, to to, uh, further your point, you know, that was very similar to me. Like I was a freshman in college at Missouri state and my uncle and my aunt had a baby. Like, so my cousin, she's my first cousin, right? But she's like 19 years younger than me, but they're like, Hey, we want you to be your godfather. And I was like, Oh, okay. So whenever other people are involved that, that look at you a certain way. And then like, Hey, we want you to be an example of our, for our, for our daughter on what to, you know, how the right way to act. That takes a whole nother level of responsibility of like, man, I got to make sure I check myself because, somebody's and you're going to mess up. You're not going to do things right. That's going to happen. But I mean, overall though, you're like, am I going to be the person that somebody looks at me? Like, I hope I'm like them. And that, Mm -hmm. that's one thing I think that through transitions can help you shift your whole perspective. And coach McRoberts, you might be, you know, as somebody that has, you know, three kids and transitioning, like being the example of what to do in those kinds of situations as well. To me, I think that helped me transition after my dad passed going to college of, I got to be an example of what to do, not the example of what not to do. So I know, Coach, if you want to elaborate on that at all yourself, with the transitions you've gone through too, but. No, I mean, I 
Yeah, I, I, um, I, I, from two different ways, definitely as a father, you want to be an example to your kids on how to handle adversity um, or even just, you know, just moving and changes and things in general. But when I was fired, I had um, the opportunity to go one of two ways and I could have been bitter about it. And cause definitely I had a case, I had a case to show that what we had done in those six years was much better than what had been done the three or four years before. But I was able to on social media platform, be able to use it to thank all my staff, um, to thank, um, players to that, you know, I used it as a way to be grateful instead of, use it as a way to kind of lash out. And uh, we talk, have talked a little bit on here about mental health already. It really helped my mental health to focus more on all the blessings that I had been given through that six years. Because when I first started at a small 1A high school in Arkansas, making $16,000 a year uh, coaching volleyball, basketball, and golf, and having like five or six classroom preps. And, and then all of a sudden, one day I'm sitting in a locker room at Ole Miss with my best friend and he's looking around and going at all the, you know, uh, seeing like Florida and Arkansas and Tennessee and all these names. He's like, man, did you ever think about this? And it, and I was like, you know, I'd haven't. And so I tried to enjoy every bit of the, opportunity that I had to coach at that level, because that's really not even why I got into coaching. I didn't get into coaching to try to see how high I could go. It just, it just happened. And so I got fired and I was upset, but then being able to take the emotion out of it, there's not many coaches that got the opportunity or will get the opportunity to do what I got to do. So I looked at it from a grateful heart versus a bitter heart. You, you mentioned earlier, Taj, and you talked about, like, not understanding that as an athlete, you know, expecting coaches to do certain things for you, not to blame people where you're at. But I do want to shift in this and Coach Roberts. I feel like, you know, you're talking about college athletics. It is it is pressure to win. You win, you stay. And you know and I know there's coaches in collegiate that aren't doing it the right way in the sense that maybe cheating, taking advantage of kids, it's about them. They're trying to win, use kids. And I'm big in, I believe that us as coaches, you can succeed in that area on the scoreboard, but what are we doing to transform the lives of the athletes we take in? Because as a coach, when they come and play for you, I look at it, it's like you're an extended father or mother or whatever, and you're taking care of these kids and, and developing them to young men and women that can succeed in life. And I feel like maybe at Ole Miss, you've done that, but they focus a lot maybe on some of the scoreboard part of it, right? And you're building that culture. Can you talk about like what you think as coaches out there, can you speak to them and say like, these are things that we need to be doing more as coaches to develop the athletes that we have. So they succeed not only on the court, on the football field, but after the fact to win in the game of life. Yeah. And I, I think there's a, there's a majority that are doing it the right way what we see on ESPN and what might blow up on, you know, uh, the headlines is what you see is a, is some coaches that, that are cheating and cutting corners and, 
Um, and we are in a world now where there's been a shift. There's been a pretty major shift in the last five, eight years where it, it was totally coach controlled to now the student athletes have more power than the coaches. They, they control a lot of the narrative. Um, but with, with what you're asking on what we can do, um, one of the biggest things, and I, I know, you know, Jonathan, you, you dropped your daughter off at, uh, at school and, and you want her to be successful. You want her to be a good volleyball player, but I guarantee you the number one thing that you thought about before you dropped her off was I want to make sure that whoever's in charge of her is going to care about her and love her. Exactly. And so that's, that's, I didn't understand that as much until I became a dad and um, coaches that don't have kids. And I have, I know plenty that have great hearts, but once you start having your own kids and you, and I have a 17 year old right now and I want him to be surrounded by people that, that walk the walk and they're going to live the, the way and be that I want him to have good examples. And um, so that, to me, again, I didn't necessarily get into this to, to move up to the SEC level. But as I've gone along, I've seen the importance more and more about just pouring in to your athletes and, and being a good example and just talking about life things when you get the opportunity to do it. Um, and, and Taj, one of the things that you kind of said earlier about when athletes come back and talk, it's huge. But I tell you, we've all we all lived in that 17 to 21, 22 year old life. And how much did we really listen when people were talking to us? And I say every once in a while when I'm about to talk to my team, I'll say, here's the uh, here's your, your old man with the gray beard who's going to talk to you for a little bit about life. And I know some of you are going to tune me out, but I'm going to say it anyway, you know, and I'll tell I'll, I'll try to talk to him about a story, whether it's experience or something I read or something just to, to talk to him. Cause some of that, um, stays with them. But I really think the transition happens Taj when, when they leave and they get put in a position where you and Jonathan were is like, if we can network enough while they're here, then they'll have that support when they leave, when they really need it. And they really need some of these, uh, former players that they can talk to. And, and, and that's when, when we kind of hit rock bottom is when we're willing to, to listen the most. It's not when we think we've got everything figured out. Yeah. I think you touched on a couple of things and you know, you're right. When I dropped off Jordan, I honestly, I mean, she'll kill me for saying this, but I didn't care if she played or not. I really didn't. It was, are, are you going to be in a good place where you're going to be happy? You're going to get a good education and get, and have the opportunity to do what you want to do for your life. That's all I cared about. And for me and to you, Taj, to touch on the same thing, both of you guys, I think what you guys are saying is what I've learned the hard way is, and, I'm, and if I could tell younger players or younger coaches or younger parents is, you need to enjoy the journey. You really, really do. I didn't realize it until I was like late 30s, going to my 40s, and I, really, I went to my mom and I literally asked her, mom, was I happy? And she goes, baby, you know, I love you. I don't have favorites, but you were the kid I never worried about. And I go, why? And she goes, because you were always focused on the next game or the next series, or the next job or what you, you never stopped and just enjoyed what happened. And it took me too long to get to that point. So, I mean, to me, that'd be the best advice. And that's hearing both of you guys kind of confirm that. I mean, I can, I got my ways of thinking about, it, but as a parent, as you, as you said, coach Rick Roberts, 
as a player and as a coach, what would you do to help people to get better at enjoying the journey and being present? Jimmy and I talk about this all the time, being present and being realizing that this is what you do, not who you are. And I've never really mastered teaching other people to do it. I've, I'm still learning myself. So, I mean, I'll start with you, Taj. How would you do it? Well, you know, Coach McRoberts brings up a great point in that you can talk to athletes till you're blue in the face about getting prepared and enjoying the journey. And, you know, this isn't going to last forever. Enjoy your time here. Um, but it really doesn't get real until it gets real, honestly. And, and that's almost why I enjoy working with athletes when they're done playing, because there is that need. Now you're at a point where you're not there's no practice, film, games, travel. It's like all you have is time to focus on what you're doing. Um, in terms of enjoying the journey, like you asked, Jonathan, I think, man, it's it's tough, you know, because when you're young, you feel like you're invincible and it's like you're never going to stop playing. So that's I don't know. That's the question of the ages right there. I don't know if you can um, really talk to an athlete who's in, you know, in high school or in college and, and really have them understand how quickly it does go by. But I think that the best thing we could do is keep trying. Like Coach McRobert said, you still get up in front, of, in, in front of them and talk to them anyway. Whether or not they receive it, that's really on them. But the ones who get it, it's really going to resonate with them. And then even if it doesn't make a huge impact right then, right there at that moment, it still, it still does something, even if it is subconsciously. And then, like I was just saying, it really does start after they're done playing because at that point you can really step in and um, really do a lot of good in terms of helping them with the next chapter of their lives. So I don't know if that answers your question, Jonathan. That's just oh, <laughs> what came to mind. Yeah, definitely about perspective. And again, when I was 17 to 22, I didn't have very much perspective. As much as people told me I needed to have a better perspective on things. Um, I think I read at one point within the last few years, I mean, that about 1% of uh, volleyball athletes make it to the division one level, you know? So we go to these national qualifiers. You've seen it, Jonathan, the hundred courts going on morning wave, after wave, all these kids and like 1% are going to make it to the division one level. And just, and then I feel like sometimes they get to, they, they work so hard to get to their college team. And then they don't know what to do next because everything's been about getting there. And then what do I do now instead of, again, having things kind of lined out as goals and all right, here's the next thing. But I, I stopped my team the other day and said, I felt like we were having this really stressful practice and had a few of them in a row. And I just said, guys, you, this is just volleyball. Like it's not life or death. Like enjoy this. You know how many players would love to be in your shoes right now. And we put, again, I think, Social media in in so many ways is great. And in so many ways, it's just killing these kids from a mental health standpoint and who they are. They're trying to figure themselves out by comparing themselves to thousands of others. And uh, they, they get told how great they are for so long. And then they get put in a gym with a lot of players just like them and don't really know how to handle it. Yep. And so being able to handle some adversity, being able to, to work hard and realize I can work as hard as I want and may not get the result I want, but I can still look in the mirror and go, I got the best out of me. And to me, that's positive mental health is to be like who I am. I am doing the absolute best with. And so that's what, what our, 
focus on a little bit for them is just try to improve a little bit every day. Quit comparing yourself, even to people in your position on your own team, much less everybody across the country. But um, I hope that kind of answered what what you wanted there. Oh, totally. Like I've had that conversation with Jordan about that one to two percent that actually make it to a D one school, and in, in football, the odds are even even in some cases worse. It's like you made it. Now just enjoy it as opposed to you made it and, oh, my God, I got to chase the next rung. You didn't even take a blip to like, oh, my God, I got here. And when she was getting recruited, it was it was a little stressful, but not for me. It was completely stressful for her. It was like a rejection letter or an acceptance letter. And then we had she had this vision board up and here's all the schools I got into. Here's the ones that want me for volleyball. We went and visited. And I was like, baby, take a deep breath. You realize you got into 16 schools. You realize you're kind of fortunate financially if daddy can pay for college. So that's not an issue. And you got six schools that want to play volleyball. Do you want to play volleyball? Or you just want to go to college. She goes, I want to play volleyball. Well, then these are our six choices. And one of them already offers you a scholarship already. So if even if everything falls apart, just go to the school if you like it. There's no stress here. Sure. This is like being at a party and you, and you have to pay for nothing. This is awesome. It's perfect. And to see the stress on her face blew my mind. I, I meant to your point, coach. She was not seeing the journey. And that's why I was asking, like, how can you get better at teaching kids to understand that? But at the end of the day, it's just wisdom and time. And like, like Tosh says, being real, you know, my dad always said wisdom is a result of ass whoopings, mental, emotional, physical. That's just the way it is. <laughs> well, and I'll, I'll add one more thing if I could. I, I think one thing that I every once in a while I'll try to bring up, because we've all been there, too, is like perspective of we were stressed out just like they they are stressed out now. Uh, and it's not about mowing the path down for them, but helping them realize like how stressed out were we in college when we were about to take a big test. And now we look back on that and kind of laugh about it. Cause why, like it really wasn't even that big of a deal, but the different parts in our life, they mean something, but yet the perspective is how stressed was I a year ago about something that today I can't even remember what that, what that is. Most, most of the things that we are the most stressed about never even happen. That's yep. I, I know that's a quote somewhere. I've quoted it to my team. I was like, the, all this stuff, you're, the most of the things you're stressed about don't even ever happen. So we're wasting energy and a mindset to, to dwell on those things. Well, I'm going to get to is, uh, you know, you mentioned coach about, you know, you talk to your players and sometimes they tune you out, but you also mentioned like being a great listener, like listening to your players. And I know, Taj, you also work with, with Athletes a lot. But, and I'll start with you, Taj, on this one. I want to hear Coach McRoberts. But what are some great questions we can ask athletes to maybe understand them better to maybe be able to relate to them more, like, and, and see what they're going through? Because, Coach, like you mentioned, sometimes being a great listener will be way more impactful than anything you ever say. So do you all have a, uh, some questions you all ask certain athletes or people about to really dive in and get to know them and, and understand what they're going through? Yeah, for me, I'll just talk specifically about those athletes who are trying to figure out what's next. Something that I ask is, um, I well, it's more, it's asking a question, but more so telling them, think about how you want to live versus what you want to do. Um, so it's a question where I, where I think about, you know, and I always go back to the questions that I needed people asking me, because everyone at that time when I graduated and I wasn't playing football anymore, it was, so what are you doing now? What are you going to do? And that puts so much pressure where really it's putting, you know, I put pressure on myself, but a lot of athletes go through that where you're almost like, 
scrambling to try to figure out what you want to do. Like Coach McRoberts said earlier, we're just like, you finish playing your sport and you're just like, man, I need some money. I need a paycheck versus actually thinking, thinking about what do I want my life to look like? And so that's a question I think you can ask. Um, just, yeah, what do you, how do you want to live versus what you want to do? It, it, it forces someone to go into a totally different mode of thinking. And another question I like to ask is instead of just like, how's it going? How are you doing? Um, I'll, I'll say like, how's your world? You know, like if, if I'm talking to you, Jason, like how's Jason's world? And I'll just kind of sit with that and just allow that question to sink in because it's different from how you doing, Jason, versus how's Jason's world? It forces you to think about every aspect of your life. And chances are you'll get a much deeper answer than if you just ask someone um, how you're doing. So I'm not a coach that works with athletes while they're playing, but just advice to coaches mm -hmm. who are listening. Uh, I think that's something you can try asking your players because it, it actually shows that you care. Um, I even had some coaches who would ask me that. Uh, some coaches don't care at all, of course. <laughs> They'll never ask you how you're doing. But I had a few coaches in uh, in college that really stick out of my mind. That, and they would ask me that question. How's Taj's world? And we would just have a long chat in the office. And I think it makes a world of difference um, when you know, like you were saying, Jonathan, when you got a kid who's away at college, it's so important for them to know that you have people there who actually care about them in a meaningful way. Yeah, I lucked out actually. Um, actually, my daughter, um, she goes to school in Florida near Daytona Beach. And Jason has introduced me to a friend who's become a real good friend of mine. She lives 15 minutes from the campus. So Jordan has a place to go and talk to and just get away from the campus stuff. I have a place to stay when I come visit. Her mom now lives, her mom and her aunt now live in Florida across, across the peninsula, like four hours away. So it gives her some space, but she's got a support system. And like, I just, she's just starting to understand how blessed she is because some of the kids that are on her team don't have that. One girl, her mom had caught cancer. They were worried about her, her, her tuition. Um, they, she was, she got injured, made lose her scholarship. There's all this thing that was going on. She just called me up like just three weeks ago. Go, dad, you know, I really want to say I thank you. And I was like, oh, you know, you're a parent. You know how it is, coach. When a parent, when sometimes when your kids come to that epiphany and have that conversation with you, like, wow, they listened. <laughs> and it's like the light goes off, you know, but it was just, it was a really good moment, man. But it was like, what you just said, Tasha, to tie it back to that was, I said it to my daughter, times, well, how's your world today? How's your, how's your world going? Like, and, and you, it's funny that you use that line. It's probably the most best line that you could probably use for your kids or for athletes and stuff. But I know Jimmy wants to jump in here. Go ahead, Jim. Yeah, and one thing I wanted to get into is, you know, Taj, you talked about, and Coach McRoberts, you can probably speak to this, but, you know, you got done playing and, and you struggled because you didn't have something you're passionate about, but then you got in some negative maybe routines. You're waking up at noon and you're, you know, drinking, doing stuff. And as athletes, and Coach McRoberts, like, you have athletes follow routines. Everything's structured for them. You know, it could be waking up at this time. You're, you're going to class at this time. You got study hall at this time. We're eating at this time. We're working out at this time, right? And it's structured. And the routines that they follow help them have that success. What are things you can recommend maybe when they get done playing, they transition out of it to stay within certain routines that they can do, whether it's morning routines or evening routines or something that gets them in that athlete mindset they've been in to help them have success. Now they're not playing anymore. Now they're pursuing something else. Yeah, I think um, I, I've, that I've got uh, – let me – I want to say one thing that Taj said before because I make this mistake, and then I, I'll, I'll get to your question, Jim. Sorry about this. Um, um, but the how are you doing? Hey, how are you doing? 
we we automatically that's a, that's an automatic thing that we do when we walk up to somebody I and mean, it's typically a one word answer of good and then we move on so you're not really asking how they're doing you're just being kind of cordial so i really like the how's your world it's like you want them to you want a response it's showing that you want a response other than hey give me um one word to try to come back um at you and getting to know them earlier we talked about that is is like i want them to i want to ask them what do you need from me to make to help you and and versus like always me just giving them immediate feedback of what i think what do they need from me so um and jim to ask me one more time sorry i know that was a longer thing to me on move Jimmy's on mute right now, people. If people are watching, he has this big, expensive microphone that doesn't actually well, work. It's called, it's called muting at times where I don't want that outside noise to come in. But thank you for letting me know on that. I appreciate it. Jonathan's usually the comedian in this, so thank you very much. Just saying. Uh, yeah, just saying. Now, but Coach, like, you know, athletes, we have such routines, right? And routines. Coaches set up routines, right. structure. What can sure. we do when we transition out of playing to maybe have routines in our life to continue to have the success we had as athletes? Absolutely. And one thing that's that I have found, and again, 25 years of doing this, our grades are better in season when we're missing a ton of class. Then that's a for a fall sport. And then we get to the spring when they have more time. And I notice that grades go down. And the reason why is because in the fall, they don't have a lot of time to goof around. I mean, they're, they may have a two or three hour window at night and they go, I got to get this done. Like, that's all I have versus now we're practicing in the morning. They may be done at 11 in the morning and then they'll think, well, I've got till midnight to get this done. And then all of a sudden at 11 o'clock at night, like, oh, I better get that done or whatever. Or maybe they just go to bed and say, I'll do it in the morning and they don't. But that's one thing that, that I've noticed is that as soon as they do start getting out of this routine, performance academically is affected for some. Um, but listening to Jonathan and Taj, I mean, I think it's important to stay in a, uh, a physical routine to help you also mentally, but they can speak as athletes. I didn't play college athletics, but they can speak as a college athlete. It's almost like it gets to the point where exercise, it feels like a punishment more than it feels like a health benefit or a means to an end. So you guys were doing it because like I'm doing this to be at my, my absolute strength to go up against this guy. And then you do get to that point, like y'all said, where it's like, who am I competing? Now I'm just kind of competing against myself and I'm kind of over it. And so <laughs> being, a being able to still leave and go, look, I need to keep myself healthy. I need to, to do something. I try to stay away um, in practice of doing sprints as punishment. <laughs> Running shouldn't feel like a punishment. Running is healthy. It should be used for health. Now, there are moments to do that, but I don't want them to feel like it, I'm making them exercise as a, as a punishment, if, if that's a way to put it, um, because I think that can affect them when, when they leave. There are ways to get, get things done, definitely. Uh, but again, that's just coming from, from my point. I think it's having some of these former athletes talk to them and say how important it is to stay, keep your life in a routine when you leave. Don't all of a sudden sleep till noon because you can, you know, you're going to be more productive 
if you get up and, and get going in life. Taj, can you speak to that as well? Like you being that former athlete and kind of what happened to you and maybe what you do now? Yeah, that's a great question, Jim. And and Coach McRoberts, such a funny point you bring up around, you know, grades in the spring semester dropping. That was me. Fall semester, there's no time to mess around. You know, we're traveling. I'm doing homework on the bus. Spring semester, I'll sleep in a little bit. My grades were always worse in the spring semester. Um, you know, even have coaches checking class during the fall semester. So for me, I think the first thing is accountability. Like if you're not, not everyone is wired when they leave their sport to be able to create their own structure or be their own disciplinarian, right? So in that case, you need to find people who can hold you accountable. So for me, um, aside from accountability is like, you got to create your own structure. Like I'm the type of person where if I'm working with the former athlete and they just have no idea how to spend their time or they're, they're spending time versus investing time. Um, I'll just have very candid conversations with them. Like, why are you playing three hours of video games when um, you don't have a job right now? Or if you don't know what you want to do that three hours, instead of playing 2k, you could spend that three hours, not necessarily just applying for random jobs, but if you spend, if you invest three hours of time, figuring out what you actually want to do, what kind of field or industry you want to go into um, making valuable connections, that's a much better use of your time than just throwing it away. Um, and I'll also tell them, I'll, I'll tell them, get very acquainted with Google Calendar, right? Or any, like, make sure you're blocking off time. Um, block off time to work out if you have to. I'm the type of person where if it's not on my calendar, it's not getting done. So I try to, I try to encourage people. I think that's a great way just to actually have a calendar, set it up, and actually schedule things is a great way for you to create your own structure. Um, but yeah, that's that's all I would say about that. Well, I would add to that, dude, is to me, as I always tell, it's time management. And you, I'm, I'm a big fan of the calendar and writing things down. But the thing I always tell kids or younger players or even my kids is whether it's relationships, it's your sport, whether it's your career, whether it's your passions and stuff, ask yourself in your head and simplify it. And I got this from my dad, so I'm not going to take credit for it. Is Is it a bill or is it a payment? Is this making you money? Is it bringing something into your life? Or are you spending something out and getting nothing for it? Because like playing video games... Yeah, it may be fun, but it's a bill. At the end of the day, it's taking something from you and you're not getting anything back for it. You know, you could spend that that time spending 30 minutes learning digital marketing and get a job at Google making 125 an hour. So think about that as a certified Google ad. But, and you don't have to leave your home. You could say, hey, I'm going to stay in shape. I'm going to get certified as a trainer and start training other athletes because that's what I was passionate about for myself. You could spend that time doing something else. So I just break it down to that. It's like, is it a bill or is it a payment? And then... Mm -hmm ask yourself that an honest question and then manage your time. Yeah. Well, uh, Steven, uh, Coach McRoberts and, and Taj, thank you all for joining us today. We always like to ask our guests one last question before we let them, you know, before we like, allow you guys to tell us where we can learn more about you. But uh, Coach McRoberts, we'll start with you. And then Taj, uh, in your opinion, what does it mean to be a champion in life? I mean, that's a, a great question. I, for me, um, I'm a man of faith and I think living that out and a lot of the things that we've talked about as far as being the example um, for my players, I tell them my two toughest jobs are, and they're not jobs, but it's being a, a husband and a dad. And so if I'm doing those two things well, um, then I think uh, I'm living as champion for my, for my family. And, um, but it's showing up, Every day with a great attitude, great work ethic, 
Um, that's what I ask of my players and getting the most out of yourself. And I think if, if you will work hard and can look in the mirror at the end of the day, like I talked about earlier and say, I did my best. I think you, you're a champion. Taj, what about yourself? I'm going to piggyback uh, right off of coach McRoberts answer. Cause I thought that was really well said for me. Uh, it's a feeling. That's the first thing that came to mind when you asked the question, Jason, the feeling of being a champion of life is when you lay your head on the pillow at night to go to sleep and you know, not only did I get better today, not only did I move the chains in my life, um, become a better human being, but I also had an impact on someone's life in some way, shape or form. Um, that feeling to me is, is what being a champion in life is. Mm. Simple, but very impactful. And, uh, so thank you guys both for it. <laughs> I'll take that. Thank you, Jason. Yeah. Hey, the best things in life are the most simplest, but most impactful. So I love you guys' answers on those. Uh, Taj, I know you got four books out. You got a website. Where can people find you? Where can people learn more about uh, your work? Yeah, the best place is tajdeshawn.com, just like it's spelled on the screen. Just add a .com to it. Or um, at Taj Deshawn on all social media platforms. I'm more active on LinkedIn, more so than uh, than Instagram. But yeah, you can get the books on the website. Um, they're on Amazon, but I always tell people, you know, support your, your self-published authors and order directly from me. And if you mm. do that, I'll, I'll send you a signed copy. So that's where I'm awesome. at. Oh, and my, sorry. Last thing. My podcast is on all. It's called Thrive After Sports, just like the book and the, the sign in the background. It's available on all podcast platforms. So go check that out. But all those links and everything are on my website anyway. Awesome. Yeah. And Coach McRoberts, uh, where can you know people follow you, learn more about Missouri State Volleyball, learn more about yourself? Uh, where can we find you? Well, I can tell you, first of all, they're going to enjoy following Taj a whole lot more than me. With uh, <laughs> I enjoyed listening to him today. Uh, I have a Twitter account. Um, that's, that's, that's about it. And they can, of course, look up Missouri State Volleyball on the Internet, um, you know, to find out anything about the team, that sort of thing. But uh, that's that's pretty much it for me. I'm pretty pretty low maintenance on, on some of that stuff at this point. Well, hey, I will say though, some of your some of your uh, tweets have been really insightful, like you know, in regards to like parenting and sports. And so, don't cut yourself short. I know, like you know, Taj is impressive, but you know, you, you put out some good stuff on Twitter Twitter as well, guys. So, uh, Coach McRoberts, Taj, thank you guys for joining us today. It's been a great episode. Uh, I learned a lot more about how to transition better in life as well. So I uh, appreciate having you guys on. Thank, Thank you, guys. This has been Thank a pleasure. Thanks, sure. guys. All right, guys. Well, uh, for me, I think that the takeaway was, uh, especially what they said about being champion at the end, like did you lay your head on the pillow? Um, did you make a difference for yourself and for other people? And I think, you know, at the end of the day, if you're doing those two things and you do what you love, that's a great way to live life. Yeah, go ahead, Jim. Well, no, no John, you go ahead. Come on. <laughs> yeah, for me, it was just, it's just a constant reminder, having been where Taj has been at and having, you know, dealt with people or and interacted with people like Coach McRoberts, both as a player and as a parent and as a, a peer in some cases. I just really keep emphasizing enjoying the journey and being present. And, mm -hmm. you know, and just if that's what I kept getting consistently around all that stuff is, you know, when it's over, you have to transition, you know, you're having these challenges, but enjoying those blessings and enjoying that journey as opposed to being bitter, or angry, upset or hurt or detrimental to yourself when those things get taken away. And when you lay, like you said, lay your head down on that pillow, 
Did you try to get better? And were you blessed that day and move forward and be grateful? Nobody's going to do it perfectly. We all have those moments where we go to bed and we're just stressed out and pissed off. But, and then finally, the one thing Coach McRoberts I thought was, was super profound, and I do it to this day, is some, most of the stuff you were stressed about actually never happened. Like, you get stressed about a presentation, and I've done that at my current job. I've been, oh, my God, we got to get the stuff ready. Oh, the CEO needs to see this stuff. And then what if we miss this? What if we miss? And then Thursday happens, we have it, it goes off without a hitch, and we're like, we just stressed out for no reason. You know, that's, I, so if I would take that away. That'd be my number one takeaway. Most of the stuff you stress out about or worry about actually never happened. Mm -hmm. And I, I think like when Taj talked about, mm -hmm. I think is we need to get more like athletes and people realizing like, what else are you passionate about in life? Not just the sport, because we have so much even new sports. Kids are so focused on one thing, one thing, one thing. What else outside of that? And, and do certain things like you talk about internships, things like that, and start developing yourself while you're playing the sport. So when the sport is over, there's something you can transition in because so many kids, they focus on that sport. That's it. It ends. And now they're like, what's next? Yeah. So I think it's that what are things you're passionate about and figuring out ways to develop some of that passion in areas while you're playing. And so there's maybe a transition once you're done. And yeah. by the way, before we leave, listen, did anybody get Jimmy today? Nope. Not that's by me, though. Because I know Jason got Jimmy twice, twice by Jonathan, twice yep. by Jonathan, yep. and I got Jimmy once by Jason. Oh. So I'm just yeah, saying, Jason. Yeah, you got I don't think I Jimmy to anybody today. And I didn't have the mic working. I get that. But did I Jimmy anybody today? Nope. That's two in a row, folks. Twice. That's hey, twice. that's a streak. There we that's go. Streak. I'm, I'm, I, I'm aware of the Jimmys going on around here. Okay? <laughs> Hey, but no matter what happens, it's still be called Did You Get Jimmy because you're the originator. So, no regardless. Yeah, the, hey, probably, man. You know what? Hey, just to leave one shout out, man. One thing I love about both of you, Jason, you're an amazing person at networking and getting people together and being and making people expanding their life. Like, because I've met some amazing people that are part of my world because of you, and or they've, or it's grown even more people that I connected through you, but I got to know them better because of you. And Jim, you always, always, always become my, I, I, I'm going to say this and I'm admitting it. You're a moral compass, man. You always remind me it's about who you are, not what you do. It's mm -hmm. about your community and that spiritual point of view. You are, you are a moral compass on this show every single time. Well, you know, Jonathan and your insights as a, as a dad of, of kids older and as a, as a player that played well beyond myself or Jimmy, you know, that, that experience as well. You know, likewise, man. So, uh, in your heart, you have a, you have one of the biggest hearts I've seen because I've, I've been out to your house. You're one of the best guests I've ever had. Like, you know, that's the thing I was gonna say, Jason. He looks like Rock. He's big, like Rock. Look like him, and he brings he brings the looks, man. Around, but he's got this. I'm trying, man. I'm trying inside of him. So. Yeah, I'm trying, man. I'm trying, trying really hard, man. It's been hard getting to the gym lately, man. Oof. Now that COVID's kind of lifting everybody's driving everybody's out now Oof, not that i'm not happy about it people but it's just it's gotten congested again well fellas enjoy the rest of your friday um and uh, we'll see you all next episode all right guys, Thanks, guys. take care